Is it really imposter syndrome or are you just living in a patriarchal capitalist hellscape that rewards conformity and punishes diversity and innovation? This is the age-old question that we're attempting to answer on this week's episode. In part one, Kristen is taking us through the six characteristics of imposter syndrome, aka imposter phenomenon, and providing some tips for defeating the perfectionism demons, with a bunch of rants about individualism in between. If you feel like you're hiding your incompetence from the world and it's only a matter of time until you're found out, come join us for a feisty little episode, where we'll remind you that maybe you aren't secretly stupid, maybe your boss is just a dick. They said that we'd grow out of it. Well, the joke's on them, that's just our brains. We're eccentric, loud, and stubborn. And most of our clothing is covered in stains. It's not a deficit of attention. There's just too much to think about. So if executive dysfunction becomes a little too much, If you forgot why you came in this room, or you're hypersensitive to touch, then put on your seamless socks, and come join our little flock. Bitches stimming together, we're weirds of a feather, weirds of a All right. All right. <laughs> Welcome to Weirds of Feather and ADHD Jason podcast. I'm your host, Kristen Stanhope. And I'm your host, Grace Beret. Welcome. 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 Man, we are musical today. Yeah, we're very sing song. Sing song. I love it. Um, it's fun. People yeah, love it. it the really... People love it. I love it. <laughs> That's what matters. Makes me chipper. But on a less chipper note, yeah. <laughs> in lieu of a warm-up question, I wanted to give a shout-out to um, to Maine. And so recently, people who are in the U.S. probably saw this because it made national headlines, but Maine made the news. And usually when Maine makes the news, it's something like, man finds world's biggest lobster or, like, moose runs through the trailer park or something like that, you know? Um, <laughs> not so much this time. Um, we did have an unfortunate incident with a mass shooter. It is a really terrible tragedy, and it did really affect uh, the community where I live, including the hospital where I work, um, in a big way. And it's awful. I've never experienced something like this. And... Mm. Um, it was really scary, and I want to say thank you to Maine, and I know I have a lot of coworkers, and there's actually a lot of travel nurses who listen, and travel techs that listen to this podcast, um, and I always steal their phones and make them give us five stars on Apple Podcasts, nice. but I know, <laughs> that's where all our five stars come from, it's oh, yeah. me. Uh, <laughs> no, some of them are real. Some of them are real. Most of them Most are me. Most of them are real. <laughs> but... Um, I I do want to, you know, we had such a great response from 
the nurses and the staff at the hospital, everybody who was called in came in without question, like leaving their kids and families and kind of running into the face of danger. We had such a great response from like the local community of people, you know, putting signs out in front of their house, supporting the hospital and supporting the town of Lewiston. And um, even like I like almost cried in the ICU the other day because I saw a really awful drawing that a preschooler did of a nurse <laughs> saying like healthcare hero. It was really <laughs> an it awful was, drawing. It you was made. really funny because it was so bad. And I know it's a preschooler, it's a but child. it's like, come on, man. <laughs> Learn some technique. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it was really cute. It's in the community is really stepped up. I think there was like a bakery who gave like a bunch of bagels and even Dunkin' Donuts, like one of the local Dunkin' Donuts. Um, spent a whole day um, giving out free coffee and donuts, which mm-hmm. to a healthcare worker, that's like, that's a slam dunk right there. Yeah, free that's coffee. Gold. Yeah, that's, yeah. Even if it's better Duncan. than sex. I don't know. <laughs> it, it was a really terrible thing. A lot of people were affected. Um, I, I, my heart goes out to all the families who are experiencing loss and grief right now. Anybody who's been affected, whether it was, you know, directly or indirectly, I'm, I'm, my heart goes out to you. But I really do want to thank the community and the nurses and the staff and the workers at the hospital who, you know, without question, were willing to go in and care for these people who really needed help. Yes, um, thank you for coming together. It's something that you shouldn't have to do, but in the situation where it does have to happen, yeah, it seems like everyone had a great response and really we there you saw that sense of community. Yeah. Yeah. And nice was, in the was, wake of tragedy. Yeah, exactly. Um it sucks that that happened and um but it is really kind of heartwarming. It's such a cliche to say that, but I don't know how else to say it. It was very heartwarming to see everybody come together like that. Yeah. Even the preschoolers who did that really terrible drawing. <laughs> Even those terrible artists out there. don't understand, you know, really what happened or in any sense of the way, but they or were still... Or color theory. Yeah. Or, yeah. <laughs> Basic human anatomy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a good thing you're not having children. Yeah. Who's <laughs> this garbage? Um, I... <laughs> It was a nice sentiment. It was a really nice sen- sentiment. Yeah. Just like my niece, when she drew me, she painted me a picture and I have it um, sitting on my work desk. And I had to ask her what it was because we were taking uh. votes on it in the office of like what it was, a horse or a cat. Um, turns out it's a baby stallion. So <laughs> we're all wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, that that was in lieu of a warm-up question. I know that wasn't very fun, but I feel like I had to say it. Yeah, Thanks. I mean, it's very personal. You know, it touched your community specifically. Yeah, and yeah. also kind of made national news, which was really weird. Make global news. It, did it make global news? Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, it, you know, it was very surreal to see, to go through that whole experience. Um, yeah, it's like living in America. You know that this stuff is happening all the time yeah. with mass shootings in America, but you still... Just don't really think about the reality of it happening, like, in your town yeah, specifically. Yeah, and having to, like, respond to it. Yeah, it's just— Yeah, the fact that you—yeah, were, you know, the fact that you're a healthcare worker and had to be called in and everything, like— Yeah, it was it was that's weird. That's crazy. Yeah, it is, it's, it is surreal, and it, it is really awful, but um, I, I am very appreciative to my coworkers and— the the staff at the hospital and thank you to everyone who reached out with concern we got quite a few messages from people who heard about it and were worried about us and you specifically so 
that was very yeah, touching. Thank you. That people thank were reaching you. out and checking on us. So thank you. Yeah. But that being said, um, should we want to get into our little accomplishments? Get back into a bit of a silly mode. A silly mode. In the wake of this national tragedy. Yeah. Well, the tragedy probably happened about a month ago, but that's okay. Yeah. Let's talk about our little accomplishments. <laughs> yeah, let's On do it. On a better it. note. Let's do our song. Let's get into do it. it. Let's do it. Let's um, do it. Ready. All right. Ready? Kind of, yeah. Little accomplishments, but big in our hearts. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like it needs a yeah at the end. It sometimes. does. Sometimes. Not all the time. Sometimes no. Sometimes, yeah. sometimes, sometimes no. Yes. Sometimes no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, Chris, what did you accomplish? I, with the help of my father and my mother... And Christopher uh, raked the leaves again. Woohoo! There's so many leaves. And don't worry about the people who are like pro leave the leaves. I'm leaving them because I raked a bunch. We have about 20 bags of leaves. Oh, my God. There's so many. And I went outside this morning. We did this yesterday. You would have never known. There's so many leaves. And I'm like, I literally go, I go, that's it. (laughs) (laughs) Done with the leaves. But hanging up my rake. (laughs) There's so many. We want to leave the leaves, but there's just so many. We would be like, there's piles and piles of leaves. We have a lot of maples and a lot of oaks mm-hmm. in our area, and there's a lot of leaves. We also have these shitty pine trees that are like, oh, at first I was like, that's great because they don't have leaves. We don't have to break those. Nope. They drop their needles, and they're like 10 times more heavy than leaves. Mm. They're the worst. There's so many. Nutty pine. Yeah, you do have a lot. Your whole yard is just surrounded by trees, trees. like and, just leaning into your yeah, yard. Yeah, and in the spring and the summer, you're like, this is great. This is fantastic. It's like, you know, fantastic. Yeah. And then in the fall, you're like, fuck, God damn it! So many goddamn leaves. Uh, we're leaving some because I literally cannot pick them all up. There's no way. Mulch those and, puppies up. And, and yeah, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna mulch them, and they're gonna go back into the little circle of life, go back into the soil, and because animals use those leaves for hibernating yes. and having babies and whatnot. Yep, yep. We I <laughs> am aware and I understand that is important. We just have so many leaves, too many. Yes, because not only did we rake 20, 20 bags of leaves yesterday, but last weekend we had another fifteen bags. Oh my god, it's so many. You're rich in leaves. I'm, I wish I wish they were worth money. If only. If only. If I had a nickel for every leaf, I'd have many nickels. Quite a few nickels. Anyway. It'd be annoying to get paid in nickels yeah, with how many leaves really, you have. It'd be really annoying. That'd be a really terrible. I'd have to go to, like, the bank. You'd Can have you to cash exchange in it. this nickel? Yeah, do those, like, the coin drop. Oh, yeah. Uh, Grace. <laughs> yeah? <laughs> what did you accomplish? So, I... I'm so proud of this one. Okay. We had a Christmas bag sitting behind our bedroom door since last Christmas. Oh. <laughs> You're just, just a, getting prepared for this Christmas. Yeah, just yeah. get ready. It was like a nice Christmas gift bag that had kind of just random gifts that we had gotten from people, mm-hmm. probably our parents, I think, sure. from last year. And it's one of those things with ADHD where if you don't put it away immediately and you just put it down in a place, now it becomes a part of the landscape. And yep. now it's just, it just yep. lives there. I hate that. So... I've fucking hated this bag sitting there behind our door. Every single day I look at it, I'm like, I wish that wasn't there. 
don't do anything about it. I finally emptied that fucking bag out nice. the what other was day. I found prizes? a gift card oh. for a bookshop from my mom that I thought oh. I had lost. So that's great. Now there you I get go. to it's go. It's like a little treasure hunt. Yeah. I get to go to the bookstore. There you go. There was like a nice neck warmer in there and a hat. Oh. I found some warm socks that were in there. Love a good pair of socks. There was a book in there. Excellent. Um, there were some old chocolates that had been sitting there since Christmas on the heating vent that were melting and then reforming and melting and reforming. So Ian and I obviously ate those. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not joking. (laughs) They're still good. Yeah. Chocolate is chocolate, you know, is our (laughs) motto. (laughs) And yeah. And then I put the gift bag away in our little drawer of gift bags. And now I got a little gift bag to use. Now you get a gift bag for this Christmas. Yeah. So. And that spot's cleared for next Christmas. For this coming exactly. Christmas. Exactly. Gotta got make any... room yep. for the new Christmas bag behind the That's door. fantastic. But I'm you know what? You. Instead of dwelling on the fact that it took us 10 months to empty it, I'm just going to celebrate that it only took me 10 months to empty there this Christmas go. bag. There you go. Yeah. And I finally did it. You... <laughs> Could have taken you 11 months exactly. or 12 months. Yeah. Or longer. Exactly. No, proud of you. Thank you. I'm That's pretty proud fantastic. of myself. I did it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right, Kristen, you're taking the lead on this I'm one, so the lead. why don't Are you, you get us into the meat? The meat. It, it is the, the meat. meat. <laughs> <laughs> I hate when we joke about something and then it just now becomes thing. the thing. Yeah. yeah, we were really hoping that that wouldn't be a thing, but now it's the thing. It's stuck and now it's just and there. Now it is. Uh, on this, this is a listener request, and I'm really sorry that I don't remember the listener. It was on the Facebook group. Was it Susan on the Facebook group? Oh, now I got to check Facebook. Cute music. music. <laughs> Okay, so it is Susan, and she writes on the Facebook group, please, oh, please, oh, please, oh, please, for the love of all that is tiny. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Please, Kristen, do a deep dive, hyper-focus on imposter syndrome, currently suffering so badly, comorbidity, RSD. Nice. Nice. I mean, not nice, but like, yeah. (laughs) I'm sorry you're suffering, Susan, but yes, thank you for asking us to do this topic. And I said, you got it. I'm working on it now. And then I proceeded to not work on it until like two days ago. But you worked on it. I worked on it. Little accomplishment. And then that's what we're doing today. We're doing imposter syndrome. And boy, oh boy, do we have thoughts. Yeah, we got a lot of thoughts. We got a lot of thoughts. And so. Hold on to your bucket hat. In traditional fashion, we decided to separate it into two episodes. So this episode is going to be all about imposter syndrome in general. And then we're going to do another episode, part two, on imposter syndrome in uh, specifically pertaining to the neurodivergent crowd. Mm. I think it will be better to do that for all involved, including myself, because I was really having a hard time organizing. There's so much to talk about with this, mm. and I have so many thoughts and feels. Uh, this is going to be better for everybody. Because it speaks to a larger systemic societal issue. And yeah. then you can just go and go and go down the rabbit right? hole. Right. And that's what I kept doing. I kept going down these rabbit holes. And I'm like, it's unfair. And <laughs> it's the system. It's not the person. We're making it an individual and responsibility. I'm, right, I'm watching like 15 TED Talks on this. And, and I'm just like, this is bullshit. <laughs> And also, yeah, it does look different in ADHDers and autistic people than what just like the general public means when they say imposter syndrome. Exactly. So I feel like, yeah, I feel like breaking it up this way will be helpful or we'll lay the groundwork of like, what is imposter syndrome? Does it really even 
exist? Is it or, a thing? Yeah. What is it? Kind of. Maybe. Kind of. It depends on who you ask. Yes and no. We'll get into yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes We're no. going to get into it, and here we go. So One, two, three, go. And we're live. <laughs> God, tra- we are so bad at transitions. We, we, it's crazy. It is, <laughs> it's impressively bad. Yeah, very, very much so. So what is imposter syndrome? Imposter syndrome was first described in 1978, and I feel like that's an important date by these two women, Clance and Imes, as an in, what they call an internal experience of intellectual phoniness. <laughs> Whoa. Which I relate to that. It's kind of silly. Uh, phony is a silly word. But yeah. It is. Because it, they first described it in high-achieving women, whether that be career-wise or academically. We now know that imposter syndrome can occur in all people. And it's this also known as Imposter phenomenon, fraud syndrome, imposterism, perce- or perceived fraudulence. It's not classified in the DSM-5, so and I personally think it shouldn't be. No. Um, it's kind of this, like, observed phenomenon. And, and most people describe it as this people perceive themselves as being less competent, less competent than they actually are. Mm. I like the term imposter phenomenon. I do like that term. Because it, it is yeah. a pho- phenomenon. It is, it it's not a like a personal phenomenon. syndrome. It's phenomenon. Yeah. yeah. Phenomenon. Phenomenon. Okay, I want to write one note. <laughs> In a lot of the, like, literature that I was reading, <laughs> I get a, this always, this made me laugh really hard. In a lot of the literature that I was reading, they were referring to people who are you know, going through imposter syndrome, imposter phenomenon as imposters. And I'm like, that's like, <laughs> no, that's the whole thing is that they're, they're not. not. Don't call them imposters. <laughs> the whole thing is that they're not. You're just like confirming their paranoia. Right. So what does imposter syndrome feel like? Most people describe it as this feeling of not belonging or not deserving to be in the position that they are in due to a lack of intellectual incompetence when the exact opposite is true. It's often reported in people in high-achieving places, careers. Um, It's rampant in the medical community. Mm. And a lot of people are report they're they're afraid they're going to be like found out or like any day now they're going to find that I actually don't know what I'm Mm. doing. They're going to fire me um, or I only got here because of luck um, Mm. and I don't actually deserve to be here. And it... I feel like that causes you to live in this perpetual state of, like, fight or flight. If you're always worried that you're going to be, like, discovered as being a fraud. Right. You're going to feel—you're going to go through life feeling like you have this big secret that you're trying to, like, yes. keep from everyone. Exactly. You're which exactly is terrible. right. Yeah, I know. It sounds awful. I mean, I have it. So uh, it is— Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is awful. <laughs> it is awful. And it sounds awful because it is. Except uh, with mine, I'm like, but I feel like mine is correct. I feel like I'm right to feel like an imposter. Well, that's the whole is thing. The thing. Yeah. That's the whole thing. But I'm like, is, but with me, it's real, though. But with me, it's real. <laughs> right. And I actually was watching a, a TED Talk. I'll have to link it. It was really funny. She said that uh, during her, like, grad school education, she got together with a bunch of women who were, they were called, like, the imposters or something. It was basically an imposter syndrome club. <laughs> and she started to feel, she's like, well, everybody else here doesn't actually have imposter syndrome. I'm just the only <laughs> one. And it's of this course. kind of like this, like, cyclical thing that happens mm. where you feel like you don't belong, that you don't deserve to be there, and that 
like I said, any day now they're going to find out that, you know, everything you've done is wrong. Yeah. Like you've just been tricking everyone. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what it is. You've been tricking everybody into believing that you deserve to be where you are. Hmm. And these are people, you know, two classic examples are Maya Angelou in Albert Einstein. And this, these are before it was actually, like, first described, but they had in, like, their diaries or whatever, wrote basically that they didn't think that their work deserved as much credit as it did. Hmm. I'm like, man, if Albert Einstein... Well, to be fair, didn't he take a lot of work from his wife? Oh, I didn't know that. But Maya Angelou, that's a very legit one of, yeah. like, why, you should not be feeling. Right. You deserve all the accolades exactly. you receive. But, I mean, especially as a black woman in society, you're probably used to people telling you, you don't belong here, you don't deserve what we you're getting. We are going to get there, <laughs> okay. Grace, okay? Well, I just want to, men- on. I want to mention that specifically yes. for Maya Angelou. Because I, I think that's great. And I think we're going to talk about it a lot more. <laughs> Sorry. Racism is a pervasive problem in this country. All right. You got it out? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Okay. Rain it in. All right. So apparently, and I only read this in one place, so I I wasn't able to like double check, but one article, which is, they're all linked below, describes six, six characteristics of imposter syndrome, and you do not have to have them all. You, this is not Pokemon. You do not need to collect them all. But there are six characteristics. Some I think are redundant, but here we go. Let's talk about them. Okay. So number one is this imposter cycle. And you can do one of two pathways, which is great to have options. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so many different ways right. to find yourself in imposter syndrome. Right. The one pathway is the overprep pathway where you overprepare for everything. That's you. Uh, <laughs> um, because... You know, to prove that you can do this thing. You know, Mm. you have to overprepare just to prove that you're competent in the thing. Mm. Uh, The other pathway is this procrastination pathway. That's me. That's you. (laughs) (laughs) Where you avoid doing the thing until the last minute because you're afraid of the failure and you don't want to get into it. And then... So if you don't do it, you can't fail. Right, right. And then all of a sudden you do it last minute and now you have this kind of guilt of like, well, I just did it last minute, even though if it was done like perfectly or, you know... If it was done great, whatever mm. the thing was, and you did it last minute, there's, like, that guilt there of, like, well, I just put this together last minute. Mm. But if yeah. that's... It leads you to both feel like a fraud of, like, well, I just threw this together at the last minute. I don't deserve the good grade that I got. Right, right. And also, yeah, it gives you kind of this internal excuse if you do poorly on it. It's like, well, I just threw it together at the last minute. Right, I could have right. done better if I had put more effort into right. it. Right. And then the overprepared is kind of, like... Well, I have to do I have to put in all this. I have to be overprepared because I don't actually know what I'm doing and Mm. I'm not, you know, intelligent enough or I'm not supposed to be here. So I have to make up for that lack of. It's like an overcompensation. Right. Exactly. And then both of those lead to this. Once you've done the thing, even if you did well or perfectly, uh, the you don't take the time to recognize your accomplishments and achievements. You kind of like, okay, that's over. Now what's the next thing? Mm. And then you, it kind of goes into the cyclical pathway of either over-preparing or procrastination. And then you do the thing and then you're like, okay, and no one's taking time to, you know, sit with the fact that they've accomplished this major thing. Mm. I think when you're the procrastination type, and I've been having a lot of big thoughts about myself 
about this topic as well. And maybe it leads back to my PDA where I hate being told what to do and I hate the feeling of like having to do something that's, you know, being forced upon me, which could be anything really. But I've noticed that every time I'm doing something, all I'm thinking about is when it's going to be done. Like I'm just trying to get through something to have it be done. Mm. I'm never like in the moment of like, you know, I really want to do well on this paper or I really want to like, you know, do a great job on this. It's like I'm just trying to like get through things as fast as possible to just like be done with it. And so, of course, I'm not going to like stop and celebrate my accomplishment right. after because I'm like, I just want to be finished with any type of responsibility or anything I have to do. I just right. want to get it over with. I think I am definitely the opposite. I am the over prepper hmm. where I go I spend all this time prepping and prepping and prepping to do the thing I'm like absolutely exhausted by the time it's done mm. that I I don't have any energy left to celebrate the thing. I'm just like, mm. okay, I'm going to take a break and then I'm going to move on to the next thing. Do you feel like relief at like, phew, I got through that thing and like no one found me out that I'm yeah, I feel, a fraud? Like I pulled it off. I, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I guess not really like, I, not like I pulled it off, but like... Relief that it's done and that I got by, mm. I guess. And even if it's done perfectly, I'm like, good. I like got by by the scrape of my teeth. Is that how, <laughs> is that the saying? Skin of my teeth. Skin, skin of. Really? Yes. Or the Ew. you're thinking of something else. Teeth you're combining. Skin? Well, that's why it's the saying because you don't have skin on your teeth. Oh, okay. And if you did have skin on your teeth, it would be very, very thin. It's so disgusting. you just barely got by by the skin of your teeth. <laughs> Which you don't have. That's a dumb saying. You don't have skin on your teeth. You're talking about lips. Actually, lip skin, very thin. That's why very your lips thin. are red. Got by by the by your skin lips. of my lips. Yeah, that's what it really should <laughs> that's be. That's what it should be. That's what it should be. Let's change it, that's you know? anatomically correct. Yeah. Skin of my lips. <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> what a weird saying. I like it better. All right. We'll use that. gross. We'll use that from now okay. on. Okay. I'm glad we could clarify that. Yes. Thank God. I love when you come up with new little expressions. <laughs> well, I don't like the first one. And I'm the second to, one is acceptable. I'm going to have to look into where that expression came from. The skin of your teeth. Yeah. Ugh. All I can think about is like skin, teeth skin. Ew. Like, Imagine if you did have skin ugh. on your teeth. I would pick it off. Something something else to pick at. Ugh. 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 No, we're moving on. Okay, moving on. Okay, next You're thing. the one who brought it up. Well, Because yeah. you didn't know how the saying I, I went. I didn't know what the saying was. <laughs> okay. I thought it was the scrape of my teeth. What does that mean? I don't know. That's why I was... <laughs> Nobody knows. <laughs> I'm trying to think of what other expression you combined with that there one. There was another one. Yeah, yeah I know. There, there are many, I think, yeah. all on this podcast. Just a general concept I, that you've thrown into scrape of my teeth. <laughs> I scrape by. That's what yeah, I'm Yeah, yeah. Scrape by, by skin of your teeth. Yeah. Scrape of your teeth. I scrape my teeth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Moving on. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, <laughs> All right. Next one. Next characteristic is perfectionism. I feel like this one is pretty self-explanatory you need to be everything needs to be perfect everything needs to be the best yep uh the next one i don't understand how it's different from the fir- from perfectionism 
um, is the superheroism. Mm. And that one is also defined by the needing to be the best. And often this is achieved by over-preparing. Uh, well, here's what I think it is. You can have perfectionism without over-preparing. Like, I have a lot of perfectionism, mm-hmm. and it leads me to avoid things. Because it's like, if I can't do it perfectly, I'm not going to do it. I see. So perfectionism doesn't necessarily mean that you over-prepare. It just means that you're really anxious about the idea of something not being perfect. And it could lead you to over-prepare. It could also lead you to avoid it. It could lead you to procrastinate. It could lead you to do it anyways. Like, I feel like that's really where my... ADHD versus autism battle comes in where my autism really, really craves this absolute perfectionism. And it's something that my ADHD will never, ever be able to achieve. Mm. And so I do have this internal perfectionism, but I can't ever reach it. So instead, I just feel really shitty about stuff all the time. (laughs) You know, it's a terrible place to be. It's so bad. It's like having like an observer who's like, that's not correct. And then you have like a little child who's like trying to do it. I'm trying my best. Yeah. It's like, that's not good enough. So, yeah, I feel yeah. like that maybe is I see. a difference. Okay. I like that. Right? Okay. Yeah. The next one, give me a few. I tried this last night. Give me a second here. Okay. Atikophobia. Yeah, I think you got that. Yeah? Tricky spelling. That is. Atikophobia. Yeah. Tricky so. for sure. And that is the fear of failure, which I don't here here's another thing. I don't see how anybody isn't afraid of failing. Are there people out there who are yes. like, if I fail, I fail, yes. I guess. Yes, there Real? are. Yes. What? There That's are people wild to me. Who see wild. failure as just like what a, a great step. learning opportunity. Yes, yes, literally. Are you kidding me? That's what people say to make you feel better about when you failed. But I think there are people who really feel that in their hearts. It's hard to imagine. No, I can't but imagine. I think there it. are. I think are like, everybody doesn't Great, a learning opportunity, you know? Oh, I'm so excited to fail because that means I get to learn something. <laughs> like, yeah. No, I don't. I I can't see how that's a thing that people. Well, I don't think, have. I think that ties into rejection sensitive dysphoria, which you and I were talking about, where it's not just like a cognitive fear of rejection or feel, fear of failure. It's a mm. nervous system activation I see. where you, your body, and it's much more likely to occur when you're neurodivergent, mm-hmm. is your nervous system is being activated. You're being thrown into fight or flight when you have this perceived failure, this perceived rejection. And it comes out of trauma where your nervous system has been traumatized by, you know, an experience in your past where you got in a lot of trouble or you were shamed or blah, blah, blah. And so there are probably people out there who just, I don't know, they had really supportive fathers <laughs> who were just like... <laughs> What's that like? Encouraging, <laughs> I don't know, encouraging them and being like, it's you okay, did your son. Best, son. Yeah, you tried and that's what matters. <laughs> and this is a learning opportunity. And next time you'll be able to approach this better because now you've had this experience. You know, I'm sure there are parents out there who raise their children that way. But not me. I'm out on the sideline going, God damn it, Grace. (laughs) Yeah. You fucked it up. (laughs) You're a loser and we don't love you anymore. Yeah, I I think it probably has. You're a disappointment. (laughs) You're the shame of the family. (laughs) This is why we had a second child. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like it has a lot to do probably with, yeah, how you're brought up. What? If your fam- how your family treated mistakes, you know, because there are families out there who are like, oh, a little spill. That's OK. I'll just get a paper towel. And they're not like shouting at you for making a mistake. <laughs> Jesus Christ. What the fuck? Why'd you do that? Uh, 
We had wonderful childhoods. I just want to make that clear. Yeah. Um, yes. Overall. Overall. Fine. <laughs> yep. Could have could have been better. Could have been worse. You know, could have been worse. Yep. Yeah. Um. If you have no fear of failure, reach out to us at Weirds of Feather. We're going to interview you. I can't imagine you're listening to this podcast. No, I can't imagine. To like a marketing podcast. If you or something. have no fear, I want to know. And and just as like. I just need to pick your brain for a little bit and just ask you some random questions. I mean, think about, like, actors and singers. Like, you have to be willing to be rejected and, like, put yourself out there and, like, I think there's fail. a difference between, like, being prepared to be to fail and but, – but you're still kind of scared of it. But there – yeah, but there are people who are scared and do it anyways, and then there are people who are scared and so they don't do it. Mm. And I think that's the difference. I think everyone inherently probably has a baseline of fear of failure because it's a human – you know, it's a human reaction. Fear of failure, fear of rejection, fear of not belonging, fear of embarrassment. I feel like those are all, like, pretty base human emotions. Yeah. But I think there are people who – fight through it and do the thing anyways. And there are other people who let it stop them from doing it because they're so scared of that fear of failure that they just don't do it, which I relate to. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I think to a point, there's some things you got to do no matter what, even if it's scary. Yes. And uh, that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> it does suck. Yeah, it does suck. Uh, moving on. Denial of competence, which I think is important. Uh, I think, mm. uh, especially in the OR, I like to use a lot of self-deprecating humor. And now I'm realizing that's just a denial of competence. I think I'm... Yeah, you're mean to yourself. I'm very mean to myself. You are. I call you out on it all the time. Yeah. I uh, like to set my uh, standards low, and then I'm never disappointed. I've always said that to myself. It's not a great that's, thing to, like, yeah. live by yeah, at all. I don't recommend approach. it. Um, not a great approach. Yeah. Well, I feel like you growing up because you were an undiagnosed dyslexic and an undiagnosed ADHDer, you did have a lot of struggles in school and you were always just told like, you just need to work harder. And so I feel like now that you have achieved success and you have shown that you are smart and confident, you probably always doubt that because it's like, well, I just had to work really, really, really hard at it. And I'm not, I don't know. I feel like. Yeah, I know. I, I know what you're thinking. I, I do have this imposter phenomenon of it's almost like and we'll probably get into this more in part two but you know i only did well because i worked really hard mm, at it yeah not because i'm smart not because i'm smart and i worked really hard at it like the way i phrase it in my brain is that i got by with the skin of my lips because i worked <laughs> really hard at it <laughs> Uh, like I worked really hard because I had to mm. um, and that's the only reason you know like you know when people give you compliments and they're like well she's a hard worker which mm. in my mind I know growing up was like one of the worst compliments you could have given me because it's like oh good <laughs> yeah like oh like wish I didn't have to wish I didn't have to yeah um, I feel like mine is kind of the opposite of that where I grew up being told that I was like very gifted and smart, but I always felt like I didn't have the work ethic to back it up where like I feel like I, you know, am good at like learning stuff quickly or knowing stuff off the off the top of my head, but I feel like I don't have the stuff, the substance down below. So I've always felt like a denial of competence because I'm like, no, really, like that's that's where it ends. Like what you're seeing up top, there's not more intelligence down below. I'm just kind of like skating by along the surface of mm -hmm. like I can 
come across as intelligent. But I you feel are like, intelligent. But I feel like down below, because I don't have that work ethic, I've always felt like I don't have the stuff to like back it up. You know, so I feel like it's two sides of the same coin. Yeah, it is. It's very much the over prepper versus the procrastinator. Yeah. is what I think. Yes. Um, and then the last one is achievementphobia, which is the fear of achievement, mm. which I don't know. I think that ties into the fear of failure, and I think it also ties into that feeling of denial of confidence. Confidence. Yes, I agree. Where it's like when you do achieve things, you feel like an imposter. You feel like, right. well, I didn't really deserve. You didn't this. deserve it. Yeah, you didn't deserve it. You. Um, yeah, you only, you got by with yes. it, you know, or you tricked everybody into thinking that you deserved this. Yeah, so you feel like a fraud, and with more achievement comes more expectations that are being put right. on you. Like, you know, getting into the gifted and talented class, it's like, yay, that's a big achievement, but now that's the expectation, is now you're going to have to be smart enough to be in this class. Right, and, like, side note, we need to do an episode on gifted and talented. Yes, Speaking of racism. G&Ts. <laughs> G&Ts. <laughs> we can drink G&Ts while we I talk will, about yeah. G&Ts. Yeah, I'll bring my homemade gin. Yeah, because it's an interesting phenomenon that comes with a it lot is. of different yeah. s- systemic problems. You know, here's here's something that's a little sassy. <laughs> Yes. As someone who was denied and put in the opposite program, the yeah. G&T program. Yeah. I'm kind of glad you guys are all fucked up, too. <laughs> you know what? Is I that get mean? that. No, I, I get it. I, I'm <laughs> we deserve like, it. It's kind of like, yeah, fuck you guys, too. We're all struggling, you yes. know? We all have different strengths yeah. and weaknesses. You guys were cherished like gods in elementary school. I know. I agree. I yeah. was sent to the basement. <laughs> <laughs> and now look at and us. And now look at us. Yeah. yeah. No, uh, I think I think that's fine. That's I'm fine a, with that's that. That's a topic for another day. I understand your resentment. <laughs> I get it. I still love you as a human. Thank you. I still love you as well. Um, but no, it's like sweet, sweet justice. You know, it is sweet justice. Ha ha! Now ha-ha. you guys have psychological issues. Yeah, <laughs> we're both fucked. Yeah, no matter what, <laughs> right? You're Fuck gonna to be the fucked. End. Yeah, public school system. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So moving on. Yeah. So who does this affect? Imposter syndrome. Who does it affect? Not me. Everyone. Um, but when IP, imposter phenomenon, was first described, it was only in women who were in ch- high-achieving fields. But remember that date, 1978? Yep. Like, what was happening back in? It, at least in the U.S., women were finally going into higher fields in the workplace, higher fields in academia. They were, you know, getting into college. They were, you know, becoming CEOs. That was... That was happening. White women, most notably, White, probably. Yeah, yes. You're absolutely right. And we're, yes, yes. And so, and they were, you know, entering fields that weren't in, like, women-dominated fields, which would be, like, nursing, secretarial work, um, teaching, mm. that stuff. Women's work. <laughs> which are all incredibly hard. I'm not, I'm not trying to demean any of those because they're incredibly difficult no our society demeaned them by saying that it was women's women's work work. yeah Yeah. exactly and so now they're entering you know places where men are supposed to be and now they're you know i'm sure they're basically bullied every day and no wonder why they're questioning whether or not they belong here you know yeah huh i wonder if there's a connection between a bunch of people telling you that you don't belong there and then feeling like you don't belong belong, there right hmm 
and it's whatever, hard to draw the dots here. Yeah. That's not a saying. What could the connection what, be? Yes. Connect, connect the, dots. the dots. Oh, my well, God. Well, you also have to draw the dots before you, have you to can draw connect them. them. Before you connect them. It's a process. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I don't want to harp on it, but I do. Yeah, I just think it's important to keep in mind that anytime we're talking about, like, the plight of white women, just remember that black women, indigenous women, women of color have always had it worse. So, so much worse. As bad as it is for white women, it's even worse for women of color. Yes. I Yes. Exactly. Uh, and then, so they've, they've done studies on, like, who, like, what groups of people are most affected by imposter phenomenon. So let's talk about it. I wonder if it has any correlation with the people who have been most marginalized by society. <laughs> huh. Hmm. Huh. Well, hmm. let's get into it. So first, it would be people who are the first in their family to exceed the family norms and expectations. So, for example, people who were the first in their family to go to college. Mm, um, that makes sense. Yeah. There's a lot of expectations. Um, people in higher education, undergrad, grad, beyond uh, people in fields where the measure of success was not equivocal to the quality of their work. Mm. People in the arts. Jamie, mm. watch out. Take care of yourself. It's coming for you. All right. Well, yeah, probably, you know, that has a lot to do with, like, class and privilege and access to, you know, those spaces. And so, yeah, I could totally see where, like, you're an amazing artist, but other people have more privilege where you're being given more opportunities. Right. Right. Um, People who are in a position or career where the opposite sex dominates, not necessarily male or female, but the opposite sex, mm. um, it's correlated but not caused by. There's a big difference. People with mental health disorders. And I want to emphasize the correlation because I just want to emphasize it. Correlated. Anxiety, depression, blah, 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 blah. Mm. Um, in college students, they found that you are more likely to have imposter phenomenon if you experience parentification. Parentification, yeah. Parentification. That makes sense. Uh, a lack of parental care or if you had a paternal parental control, which interesting, hmm. but let's move on. Controlling father? Yeah. Hmm. I know. Huh. 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 And then the last one was anybody who's been marginalized, which let me down several, several rabbit holes. Yes. Um, and, and yes. <laughs> um, so there's several articles about this subject. And what studies have, I don't want to say research, it's just kind of like what we've observed mm. is that people in marginalized groups and areas of high achieving fields are more affected by imposter phenomenon. And you can ex imagine that those who experience like several microaggressions a day at their workplace or in their field might be more susceptible to that. Wow. Weird. I, just, I feel like I, it's like I was getting so angry last night because I'm just like, yeah, of course. Like why? Like, it, yeah, <laughs> it totally makes sense. I feel like a lot of these things, I understand that they have to be put in writing, but sometimes you're just like, yeah, of course this would cause imposter mm. phenomenon because they're being told, you know, whether it's bluntly or with these little tiny microaggressions, you don't belong. Mm. So, of course, they're going to have this sort of phenomenon. Of course, they're going to feel like they don't belong and that they're not good enough. Mm. Of course they are. And I just I'm like, are we is this being presented as if it's like some big like, could you believe it? Or is it being presented as like, these are facts and this is what's mm. happening? I don't know. I can't. 
judge the tone of the articles I'm reading. Well, I feel like the problem comes about when we try to study imposter syndrome and talk about imposter syndrome as if it is this diagnosable individual syndrome instead of looking at it as like a sociological systemic issue where like it's not just it's not like you get gout and now you have gout. It's like (laughs) the way that society (laughs) treats you as you move through every aspect of life determines how confident you feel in yourself, how much of an imposter you feel. And of course, if society is a patriarchal one, a system of white supremacy, of course, if you don't fall under those areas, you're going to feel like you're excluded and you don't belong because you're excluded and you don't exactly. belong. <laughs> exactly. And so so there's actually a really great article in the Harvard Business Review. We've linked it below. It's called Stop Telling Women They Have Imposter Syndrome by Ruchika Tulsion and Jodi Ann Burry. Not Burray, but Burry. Oh, that's very close I know, to know. Very close. Um, and, and they kind of basically say the same thing. They focus on on women. They kind of share this opinion about how the term imposter syndrome undermines the importance of exposing the real issue in the workplace, such as sexism, racism, classism, and homophobia. Mm. And in this article, they kind of they kind of denounce imposter syndrome as a thing all in all, which I kind of disagree with. I think it's a thing, but I I don't think it's personal thing. I think it's a societal thing. Yes. I think you said earlier, it's the best word we can, we have right now to describe what is going on. Mm. Yeah, I think it's an important thing to talk about because it is a real feeling that we have of the self-doubt. But yeah, I think taking that word syndrome out of it and not making it an individual problem. Right. They say, so there's a a direct quote, imposter syndrome took a fairly universal feeling of discomfort and second guessing and mild anxiety in the workplace and pathologized it. Mm. And in, I think in the article, they emphasize the importance of, of biases in the workplace. I think I agree with them that they, this kind of like, I have imposter syndrome kind of, it puts it on you and Mm. not society. It, it, puts it on it's a you problem now it's not you know the karen in the cubicle next to you making rude comments towards you or your boss who is like some white man who says that you're not good enough or something like that yeah Um, because it's it's easy for them to just point at you know point back at you and be like well maybe you should just be more confident you know maybe i shouldn't stop being sexist you should just (laughs) learn how to deal with it just deal with me and that's not the answer that's not the answer and so so i i agree i think it's a great article to to read Mm -hmm. uh which is why i linked it below and i'm quoting from it and we're talking about it now i think it's a great article i think all these studies and literature and academia reads that i'm reading it it makes it kind of just infuriates me because I'm like, it's not like, of course, you're going to feel like you don't belong when everybody's telling you you don't belong. You yeah. Know? And you were talking about how you have like watched a lot of TED Talks about this and everything. And next episode, we're going to talk about ways that you can kind of combat your imposter phenomenon. But we were talking about how no amount of therapy, no amount of personal work, no amount of self-talk or CBT or whatever is going to help when you're in this environment that is actively telling you you don't belong like you can have all the positive self-talk you want but then if you have to go to work on monday and your boss talks over you steals your ideas doesn't listen to you you know other people in the office 
find little ways to make you feel stupid or discredit your work or you don't get raises that you deserve. Right. Like there's no way to think positively out of right. that situation because it's, it's a toxic it's your environment. It's your reality. Environment. Yeah, exactly. And and so I think you know, there's like a ton of stuff. Yeah, there's like 50 million different TED Talks on like how to get rid of your imposter syndrome. And you're like, well, it's not, it's not. It's a systemic issue. It's a systemic <laughs> issue. And there's things you can do to help you. But in the end, it's 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 like, what's the root cause of this? It mm. is racism, sexism, homophobia, and hate. And mm. it's it's so upsetting to me sometimes. And maybe I'm like irrationally upset about it. But like, I just, I'm like, how can you sit there and have this big TED talk and be like, here's a self-help one, two, three mm. on this kind of like systemic issue we have in our society right I mean, now. Classism also plays a big part in it, too. And I feel like it's similar to like Oprah coming out with her fucking book that she just came out with of like how to be happy. And oh. it's all about these like. Do you have a billion dollars? Yeah. It's all about these like mindfulness techniques. And it's like. People can't pay their rent. Right. People can't afford How food, can Oprah. Be so dismissive. Yeah. So step one, have a billion dollars. <laughs> step one. Step two, be a smile more. Yeah. yeah. Like her advice is just so surface level because it neglects the greater systemic baseline issues of like people can't think about happiness when they don't have their basic needs met. Right. When they are like in thousands and thousands of dollars of medical debt and they're still sick. Yeah. The answer isn't just like, Take a walk. Yeah. Go to the ocean. Every Call once a in a while, clear your mind. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sure, Oprah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. When I'm sitting in my billion-dollar mansion, I'll clear my mind. Yeah. So I feel like, yeah, I mean, obviously, class also plays a huge part in imposter yeah. syndrome where you grew up. If you grew up with a lower socioeconomic status, even if you do work your way up, there are always these little things that wealthy people do. There's rules of etiquette. It's the handbag industry. That's what it is, because there's all these like handbags that are out mm. here that are like, you know, different brands have different class. You know, what what's the really expensive one? A Birkin bag? Yeah. To be yeah. honest, it looks like any other purse. Who gives yeah, a shit? I think they're all stupid. I think yeah. designer bags are all stupid. So stupid. How about and those it, horseshoes that people wear around? Those toe. What are they? Oh, to they're like. To yeah. Something. Fashion in general is just beyond me. And, and maybe I get that like it can be art. But things like the handbag industry and people who are, like, obsessed with shoes and brands. And I'm just, like... <sighs> the horse hoof shoes specifically. They make me so mad. It right. feels like the emperor's new clothes where everyone's just pretending to like this thing. And no one's like, those look insane. Right. Those aren't functional at all. And it's just, like, also, super wealthy people clomping around. And they're all like, <laughs> oh, my God. I want some. I want the horse I'm shoes. Like, <laughs> they're actually camels because horses have one Oh, One toe. Sorry. Right? They're different. Know. Yeah. Yeah, I guess camel. They're camel. It's They're camel, camel toes. <laughs> you hear that, wealthy people? Right. You're wearing camel no, toes. No, but I think that's, it's, yeah, the handbag industry was designed to separate the classes. Yeah, and a lot of. Welcome to my TED Talk. A lot of things <laughs> that people think of as, like, wealthy aesthetic aren't even that. Like, even the things that are sold to us as, like, rich people style, like, you yeah. know, expensive bags, even those are not what actual, like, wealthy, wealthy people have. They're just, like, the commoner's idea right. of what rich people have. we don't know. Because it's we'll such a separate class. Yeah, yeah, that will never even be, like, around those people. Right. That was a good rant. Okay, that was a good rant. <laughs> I'm glad we covered yeah. class. Class in America. Yeah. So... How do you know if you have imposter syndrome? Well, 
there are I mean one you can just think about it a little yeah. bit do you feel like an imposter yeah do you, you feel got like, it yeah or if you want to take a more scientific approach to it there are these scales I've got one for you it's called so the one that I read about the most was called the Clance IP scale and it has about 20 questions and we're going to blow through them and it's like a one through four and then you score and if you have like a high score then yeah you've got it and then if you don't you don't all right all right so number one is I have often exceeded on a test or a task, even though I was afraid that I would not do well before I undertook the task. Yeah. I'm, I'm, that's Duh. the thing. I'm like, yeah. Of, yeah. At college. That was it. Yeah, all the time. All, every, every fucking test. And I found that whenever I did think I was confident, I'm like, I did really well. I yeah. did not do well, and I totally bombed it. I've never gone into a test being like, I'm going to nail it. I have a few times, and every time I don't <laughs> nail it. I... <laughs> I don't I've never gone into a test thinking that I actually like am going to do well ever ever god never I can give the impression that I am more competent than I really am yes yes I yeah I can fake it I I also can believe it or not I can fake it if I really try hard yes I avoid evaluations if possible, and I have a dread of others evaluating yep. me yep. yes do not give me feedback nope I, I will cry yep Unless it's you did a good job. I know. <laughs> tell me I did a good job or tell me nothing. Every six months I have to be reviewed by uh, my supervising physician. And I come in and I'm like, he goes, I have no bad things to say. Sit down. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, thank Before you. Before you start crying. <laughs> when people praise me for something I've accomplished, I'm afraid I won't be able to live up to their expectations of me in the future. Yes. Yes. I 100%. know. I know. Totally. I sometimes think I obtained my present position or gained my present success because I happened to be in the right place at the right time or knew the right people. Yeah. I would say, eh. Yes and no. In certain situations, In certain yes. situations, yes. Sometimes sometimes yes and sometimes no. Sometimes no. Uh, I'm afraid people important to me may find out that I am not as capable as they think I am. Yup. Yup. Keep them that dirty little secret. Yep. <laughs> I tend to remember the incidents in which I have not done my best more than those times I have done my best. You know it. <laughs> what else am I going to think about <laughs> other than my failures? Haunts me every night. <laughs> yeah, every time I try to go to sleep. Yeah, I just think of my failures and eventually I am exhausted from sleep. Yeah, and then you pass out. <laughs> yeah. I rarely do a project or task as well as I'd like to do it. Yes. Yes. Because I could always do better. I could always do better. And it becomes There's obsessive. always room for improvement. Yes. I'm wondering if I procrastinate specifically so I can't obsess over something too long. If it's like partially mm. a self-preservation thing. I think I, know I gotta get... start procrastinating I think more. you should. If you save it till the last minute, you can only obsess so much. Right. Sometimes I feel or believe that my success in my life or in my job has been through the result of some kind of error. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was, yeah. It's all a clerical mistake. (laughs) You have to go back to third grade. I've always, I guess I haven't felt like they're making a mistake so much as I feel like I've tricked them. Yes. (laughs) You know? Yes. It's not like they've accidentally judged my abilities to be higher than they are. It's more like, ha ha, I somehow tricked you into thinking I'm smart. Gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. (laughs) Oh, you think I knew what I was doing? Sucker. (laughs) I don't. It's hard for me to accept compliments or praise about my intelligent or inco- or accomplishments. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm better at it than you are. Yeah, I agree. 
Yeah. At times, I feel my success has been due to some kind of luck. Yes. 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 I'm yes. disappointed at times in my present accomplishments and think I should have accomplished much more. Yes. yes. A hundred percent. Mm-hmm. A thousand yep. percent. That's yep. my big one. Sometimes I'm afraid others will discover how much knowledge or ability I really lack. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's probably my biggest one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm often afraid that I may fail at a new assignment or undertaking, even though I generally do well at what I attempt. Yep. Yep. Every new thing, I'm like, this is the one. This is the one where I'm not going to be able to do it. Or I do, like, if I don't work really hard and prepare the shit out of this, there's no way I can get by. Yes. Like, it's going to take everything in me to do this. That's exactly, like... (laughs) Yes. 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 Every single week when I go to write the show notes for this podcast, every single week I sit down and I'm like, that's it. My brain's empty. I've used up all my good thoughts. I'm never going to come up with a good sentence ever again. I have no ideas and I'm a fraud and I'm empty. I've got no more creativity in my brain. And then I somehow write it and I'm like, oh, I guess I did. And they always come out phenomenal. I know. And I'm usually. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. And I'm usually pretty proud of them. But then the next week it starts all over. I'm like, well, that's it. I'm tapped. (laughs) Out of ideas. (laughs) That creativity vein is gone. Yeah, it's gone. When I have succeeded at something and received recognition of my accomplishments, I have doubts that I can keep repeating that success. Yes, it's so much pressure. So much pressure. I don't like it. If I receive a great deal of praise and recognition for something that I have accomplished, I tend to discount the importance of what I have done. Yes. 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 Oh, yes. It's, I often compare my ability to those around me and think that they may be more intelligent than I am. Yep. Yeah. All the time. Yes. I'm like, I'm yeah. the stupidest one here. Right. I'm the only one with a secret. Everyone else knows what they're doing. And right. I am the fraud. And then I get caught off guard when someone dumb does something dumb. And I'm like, really? <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Because you just assume that you're the dumbest one. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, ah, there's another dummy. Yeah. <laughs> spotted the other <laughs> dummy. <laughs> We're together. <laughs> This whole thing reminds me of that saying. I don't know who said it, but it it's like, I wouldn't want to be a part of any club that will have me as a member. <laughs> <laughs> like any club that's dumb enough to have me oh, is so not sad. a good club. <laughs> but that's really true. Yeah, isn't that a good saying? Like I'm instantly suspicious. Yeah, I'm like what's wrong like, with you? Mm, you're going to... Yeah, oh, you're just going to blindly accept me like gonna that? You're going to let me in? You must not have high standards. <laughs> I often worry about not succeeding. I often worry about not succeeding with a project or an examination, even though others around me have considerable confidence that I will do well. Yeah. Yeah. That's every OCHEM test I've ever taken. If anything, I hate when other people have confidence in me. Yeah, so I'm don't like, tell stop me. it. Don't. Let me keep my expectations low. Don't put pressure on don't me. Don't do this. Oh, you're going to do great. Fuck you. I'll show you. <laughs> yeah, I know. Don't let that PDA come in. Yeah. You need this to pass. <laughs> yes. It's so activated. If I'm going to receive a promotion or gain recognition of some kind, I hesitate to tell others until it is an accomplished fact. Yes. yes. Oh, my God. Yes. Because there's nothing worse than thinking something big is going to happen and thinking you're getting this opportunity and then it doesn't happen. Yeah. It's like, I'd rather just not get my hopes up. I think, I don't think I told a soul about this podcast until we had like five episodes in. Mm. I'm like, okay, now we're like legit and I can tell 
my mom. (laughs) I also feel like it opens you up to other people's input and opinions and energy. And like, I just don't want that. I don't want other people's opinions to like influence me. Yeah. I always say in the OR, if if a surgeon's like, oh, you did that really well. I'm like, don't get my confidence up there. (laughs) You shut the fuck up. Shut up. (laughs) You know I'm going to fuck up later. Let me make up for this good thing that I did. Yeah. It's real, though. I feel like with ADHD, it's like whenever I get to the point, you know, let's say I had a really good day for once and I was so productive. I'm like, wow, I did a great job. And then I feel like I'm overconfident in how much I was able to get done. And I'm like, well, I could just do that again. And then I like don't hold that anxiety of that usually gets me into my work because now I'm like, oh, well, I can do it again. I'm confident and easy going. And then I inevitably I'm not able to, like, get in that same zone of, like, getting a lot of stuff done because I haven't used that anxiety to fuel me. I'm, like, too confident. Right. Well, we're going to get there next part two. Yes. We're going to get there about ADHD specific, specifically. Yes. It's so insidious. It is. Specifically with ADHD and autism. Yes. 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 All right. Last one. I feel bad and discouraged if I'm not the best or at least very special in situations that involve achievement. Yeah. Yes. Even going back to like, remember in multi-age, which was a weird thing we did in elementary school where we were like, let's have three grades in one grade and that's not going to mess up kids. Yeah, that makes sense. But remember we had like student of the week. Student of the week. And throughout the whole multi-age, they would elect one student. I know Stephanie, for a fact, got it like two times. I don't remember that. I remember that clearly. I was like, this is the second fucking time. I haven't got it once. And I know they're like going through and seeing who, you know, anyway. Who's the student of the week? Yeah. 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 I, I never got student of the week. I don't think you did either. I think we were both. Probably like, not. Yeah, definitely not you. Sorry. <laughs> hey. <laughs> I was in the gifted and talented, yeah, okay? Yeah. Oh, sure. <laughs> Well, I'm no Stephanie, so. No one's a Stephanie. No one's Stephanie. I don't like those, yeah, I don't like those awards that they give to kids like that because it just makes people feel bad. And I feel like it gives others a false <laughs> sense of superiority. Right. Yeah. I don't, I don't like that either. I don't know. You know what? I don't know much about kids, but I remember not liking that. Although Stephanie turned out to be a very well-adjusted, lovely, successful human. So yeah, maybe it was just for the kids who didn't get it. Right. That well, it's it probably because she got two awards. Yeah, and she felt so special. And she was like, wow. Like, but not really, too special. Not too special. She probably felt like, wow, I feel like my hard work is finally being recognized. Yeah. And I appreciate this award like a like a, like a like what humans are supposed to feel like. Yeah, she's like, I deserve it, but I don't think it makes me a god. Yeah, no. and the rest of us are like, God damn it, Stephanie, again? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> friggin' Stephanie, so perfect. Stop being so perfect. My favorite number is eight, and the reason why my favorite number is eight is because I remember being seven and Stephanie was eight, and I was like, wow, Stephanie is so cool, and when <laughs> I am eight, maybe life will be great. <laughs> but it wasn't. It's just because Stephanie's no, great. No, it's because Stephanie's great. She's like one of those, like, perfect humans. Yes. Ugh. She's just amazing. And yeah. so that's where my favorite number came from. Her and her I thought sister. Stephanie was so cool. I'm just like, make a mistake once in a while. Damn it. Damn it. But we love them. Uh, we, we do love them. Because how could we not? Yes. Because um, they're so perfect. But that's okay. Not holding a crutch. <laughs> no, it's, it's fine. It's fine. We're, we turned out fine, too. We turned out fine, too. We're, We're just, okay. We just never got an award for not being fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I want, like... You did your best award. Yeah. You tried. You got there or 
you're okay the way you are. Yeah. <laughs> Where's that award? Any Whatever effort you put in was good enough. You showed up. Yeah. You I were want here. that award. I legitimately think that should be an award because just showing up is hard. It is hard. Yeah. And yeah, and next week we're going to get into, not next week, but next part two. Maybe it's next week. I don't know. Well, only Who time knows? will tell. We'll yeah. never know. Yeah. Uh, we're going to get into the specifics of why imposter syndrome is rampant with ADHD and autism, with neurodivergencies, the struggles. Because I feel like for neurodivergent people, it is the extreme version of like, no, I really do feel like I am an imposter because it's not just like self-doubt. It's like, no, you've been told this a lot of times throughout your life, you know, and we have yeah. like this trauma response to the shame of failing. Mm-hmm. Or being found out as a fraud because we've had to kind of fake it a lot. I fake it every day. Yeah, I fake it all the time. All the time. By the skin of my lips. <laughs> and and that's it. That's all we have so far. Oh, wait, wait. No, I have one more thing. Usually by the end when we're winding down, I kind of – I want to have like a solution. Like with anxiety, we talked about therapy and meds. Same with depression. We talked about it with RSD. And with this – it's a little bit different because, like we said before, it's a kind of a societal thing. We need to, like, come together as a society to stop being dicks to each other. <laughs> so step one, dismantle the patriarchy. Right, right. So once that – and once you've had that, be yeah, kind to yourself. Step two, yeah. take down white supremacy. Yep. Step three, be kind to yourselves. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a, th- a simple three-step yeah, process. Yeah, three-step process. <laughs> yes. No, they've actually – so – there have been studies. What they're recommending is, one, all the typicals, like therapy. If you're if you need medications, take those medications, you know, stuff like that. Um, but the thing that I saw the most is just, like, talking about it, talking about how you don't feel. And not in the sense of, like, I'm going to do terrible on this test and people being like, no, you're going to do great. Mm. But talking about how, like, you know, at work I feel like I don't belong. I feel like... You know, I feel like I don't achieve as much as this person and this person or like my my boss is making me feel like I'm not good enough to be Mm. here and stuff like that. And talking about that with others. And I don't know if it's because once you get it out, you kind of hear how silly it sounds or, you know, by discussing it with others, maybe you recognize like, well, actually, your boss is super sexist and a huge dick. So no matter what, he's not going to make you feel hmm. like you belong or something like that. You know, just talking like, about it and discussing this, these feelings of inadequacy when you're, you know, when you're clearly not. Hmm. I helps. think, yeah, I think it helps you to separate your worth from other people's perception of you and their feedback of you. Like the, with the boss thing where you're like, maybe I'm not a worthless piece of shit. Maybe my boss is just a dick. Right. You know? Right, right. And, and also, I feel like the more we talk about it and the more you hear other people's experiences with it, the more you can kind of recognize, like, everyone kind of feels this way to a certain degree. Right. And I'm I sure th- there's a couple Kyles out there who are just, like, walking on air, just being like, I deserve everything I, I have. Yeah. <laughs> I deserve to be here. I am the I, smartest man. Yep. I'm the best. But I feel like for the most part, especially if you're a woman or you're neurodivergent or you're a person of color, I do feel like we're all walking around with a certain level of imposter phenomenon. And I feel like hearing other people's experiences with it, it's not just like, oh, you feel better about the solidarity. It's more like you can recognize other people feel this way and they have found ways to like put themselves out there anyways. And I think it kind of gives you more confidence of like, it's not like everyone is putting themselves out there because they feel so confident and they're just so great and they believe it and they're going to, they know they're going to achieve things. It's more like, 
oh, I can recognize that you also are having this self-doubt, but you're going for it anyways. And that's kind of inspiring, you know? Yeah. Yeah. One thing I learned on a podcast, which I'm going to link below, I thought it was kind of funny and I'm taking it to the extreme, is kind of thinking to yourself, am I an imposter? And I thought it was so silly, but she did, this person had a point. Um, I'm going to link the podcast. Hold on. Cue the music. Okay, so it is called I Have ADHD Podcast, which is straight into the point, which is what I like. Yes. It's by Kristen Carter. And she did a whole episode. I forget what episode it was, but she did a whole one on imposter syndrome. You can look it up. It's going to be in the show notes. And she, she kind of at the end, she was like, but are you an imposter? Like if you're in the medical mu- medical community, you probably have a license of some sort, which mm. means a licensing board did license you. Mm. So, no, you're not an imposter. You have a license to do whatever medical thing you have to do. Are you a lawyer? Well, you probably had to take the bar. Mm. which is how you become a lawyer. So, yeah, you pro- do you have a PhD? Well, you have a PhD, you know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, I feel like listing out maybe, like, Your those external yeah. validations, right. even though it should come internally, but, like, in the system, it's just not realistic. Right. So, like, if, exter- if that external validation or right. proof that you belong there helps you, then it helps you. Right, like, so... You know, someone licensed you or someone gave you a certificate to do this certain thing, you know? Yeah, you're competent enough to at least have achieved that. Right, right. Yeah. And so so, so I thought it was funny, but it is, it is if you're like kind of in like the throes of imposter syndrome, I think that's a great way to uh, look at it. Like someone licensed you, mm. someone gave you a degree. Yeah, so. I tricked them. Yeah. <laughs> You can always justify it with imposter syndrome. (laughs) But I thought that was really funny. (laughs) Like, um, but yeah, I think talking about it with coworkers, with people in your field, that seems to be the best way of kind of getting out of the throes of it. It is a systemic societal issue. It is not going to go away by just Mm -hmm. thinking positive thoughts. There's no way. Um, Well, I think another solution, too, is working on celebrating those accomplishments when you have them instead of, you know, especially with ADHD, we want to just move on to the next thing, move on to the next thing. I was going to talk about that next episode, but we can talk about it now. Well, I just thought it was an important little tidbit to throw in there. It's important. It's fine. Because we don't do that. And I we've talked about I mean, that's the whole point of little accomplishments is that we're celebrating things we don't normally celebrate. Mm -hmm. And I think one of those things is. Yeah, recognizing when we have done something and we're proud of it or not proud of it, but we've done it, you know, celebrating it and getting having that, you know, positive feedback. Right, right. No, you're absolutely right. Self-validation. Yes. And that's all I got. All right. For now. We're going to, like I said, part two, we're going to talk about specifically neurodivergent imposter syndrome. It's a whole nother thing. Hmm. Um, But this was we're just getting our toes wet. Piggy dipping. We're piggy dipping into uh, imposter syndrome, and and next next time we'll we'll fully cannonball into it. Yep. And as they say, yeah. <laughs> and we'll do a pencil dive in. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, so. If you enjoyed this episode, uh, you can tell us about it on Instagram. You can tell us about it on the Facebook group. You can send us an email at weirdswithfeather at gmail.com. You, um, if you have any thoughts or comments, we love to hear them. We read them. We respond. 
Are you having imposter syndrome? Let's talk about it. I'd be happy to talk about it with you. And don't let your imposter syndrome stop you from writing us an email. Right. Because you belong in our email inbox. You do. We want to hear what you have. You listening right now. You. Right. Look at yourself. Look in the mirror right now. You. Me? You. Yes. (laughs) The royal you. We want to hear from you. Yes. What you have to say is not stupid. It's not stupid. We want to hear your thoughts. I love hearing from listeners. It brightens my day. So send that DM, share on Facebook, and and write us an email. Yeah. Do one or all three. Who knows? Go crazy with it. Go nuts. I, people keep apologizing in our DMs like, this is too long. Sorry for this. Stop yeah. apologizing. We love to hear from you. And, yes. And we cherish your thoughts. We want to hear from you. And another note. If you don't hear back from us immediately, it's not because we hate you. It's not because what you said is stupid. Remind yourselves, what I said wasn't stupid. It was we not. We just both have severe ADHD. We're terrible at responding to and things. We're and we're very people, burnt out. Yes, we're from, very burnt out. Not from the podcast, but from life itself. Yes, and this podcast is the shining light in <laughs> the, the midst of the darkness. The only thing keeping me going. So please My send only those, horse train. Yes. Please send those messages. If you don't get a response from us, you're not annoying us. I want to re-emphasize that. Us, like double, res- send double as, DM. Yeah, send as many messages as you want. Yeah. I just c- go through with the approach that I'm just going to say a bunch of stuff to them and they will respond when they get a chance. You know, like have that mindset. We're not like, oh, I can't believe this person's sending us so many messages. Every time we get a message, we're like, oh, sweet, listener responses. And then immediately we forget to respond. Yeah, I know. I'm like, and yeah. It's not a you thing. It's a us thing. <laughs> it's definitely an us thing. Yes. But we're going to get there. We're, we're going to go through. It. Yeah. Yes. Um, that being said, should we get into the ball? Yeah, yeah. let's do it. Nice I bond. I almost <laughs> forgot for a minute. I want your bond. Nice bond. Uh, this bond, bird of the day, is the puteki-teki, also known as the Australian crested grib. Grebe. 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 Something. We're calling it the puteki-teki. Yes, that's a fun and name. And if... If you're like, this bird sounds familiar, well, you might have watched a special from The Tonight Show with John Oliver. He's doing this kind of social commentary on interfering with elections by interfering with New Zealand's Bird of the Century election. And he is campaigning for the Putekiteki. I think it's it's a beautiful bird, and I think we should learn about it. Yeah. Um, And if the election isn't over yet, you should vote for this bird. Yep. Um, so it's a it's like a water bird, like a swan. Oh. But it's not a swan. It's a puteki teki. Oh. <laughs> oh. Uh, and it lives in Australia and New Zealand. And between them, there's only about 3,000 left in the wild, which uh-huh. is better than the 1980s where there's only like 200. So oh, there's God. been some efforts to maintain the population. So yeah. Team puteki teki. Go puteki teki. Go puteki tekis. And why do we love this bird is because it looks very cute. It's got this weird little frill. It reminds me of like, you know, in like the Renaissance where they have those cool frills mm. around their neck. They have something like that. And then they have a fun little courtship dance. And you oh, should look it up. It's I love a cute. bird's courtship dance. Yeah, it's like in the water. They go in a circle. It's cute. Ooh. Uh, Don't fall in love. <laughs> I'm already in love with the puteki-teki. Let's hear a bird sound. Please. Puteki-teki. All right. This is apparently two puteki-tekis nesting under overhanging willows. Oh. I know very it's scenic. A sound with a story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
I can't get the throat roll. How's that? And now I can't do it. I know sometimes I can do it. I was doing it earlier. I need like a little. I know we were we were practicing. I know which it's we're not supposed good. to. No, no, damn it, no. Oh, there you go. I know, I feel like I'm just barking. Okay, go Pootaki Taki. Go Pootaki Taki. Go puppets. Beat the shoebill puppets in this Saturday's game. Yeah. All right.